This is the Everyday Endurance Podcast, a podcast for everyday people who want to do extraordinary things really slowly and still make it to work on Monday. Hello everyone, I'm Simon Perrodin and I'm here with my brother, Luke Perrodin. And on this show, we talk about training for and competing in endurance events, balancing family life, making it to work on Monday and having a good time. Hi everyone, I'm Luke Perrodin, Simon's brother. In this first episode, we're going to be giving you a bit of an overview about what the podcast is going to be about and who it's for and what we'll be talking about. And we're also going to be having a bit of fun talking about some of our own training that we're doing at the moment and the approaches and challenges and highlights and also what you really want to hear, the disaster stories and when we've blown up in different races. So some of this will be useful as instructional and other parts of it will be a lesson in what not to do. We hope to have a bit of fun sharing this journey with you. This is a podcast for everyday endurance people, everyday people doing what we love to do. So where are we starting? Luke, I want to know, are you training for anything at the moment? <laughs> yes. So everyday endurance people, we have lofty goals, we enter events and you know we're, we work as well, <laughs> working full time. You and I have both got kids. So we've got the, you've got the girls, I've got the boys. And it takes a lot of time and then you end up training in your spare time. And that's what's well, one of the themes of this podcast. It will be not just what you did well, it's what it's the realities of what goes on. So I'm training uh, as best I can, about 50 Ks a week of trail running and running around the local area. So back to the who we are a bit, I'm a um, physiotherapist and a university lecturer and I work in Frankston, which is just in the about an hour south of Melbourne on the Mornington Peninsula. We've been down here for about six months. And you're in Tassie? We tell people yeah. where we are. I'm in, I'm in the north of Tassie, actually working with, um, in, as a lawyer here. And I enjoy getting out into the surrounds of Tassie quite a lot. In the north of Tasmania is very beautiful if anyone's been here. Um, it's known for its outdoor places. It's very much known for mountain biking at the moment. Uh, we have some very, very good surf spots in Tasmania. We even get a bit of snow here. Um, so a lot to do in Tassie if you're an outdoors person, if you've got young, a young family, it's kind of a place to be. Love, love living in Tassie and also love coming back to, you know, the other parts of the world, mainland Australia and the mountains. Um, Mm, for our overseas listeners, if there are any, and if, if it's just us, then that's fine as well. Tassie, of course, is Tasmania, the island state of Australia in the south. And so it, Tassie is a lot, a lot colder in the winter than the southern states of a, the other southern states of Australia. So you're down there freezing and doing your bit. But I haven't answered your question. I've got a, an ultra run, a 50K run in three weeks' time, which is in the Yuyangs. Hello to any trail running buddies of mine out there. If you found this by accident on your trail run and you're doing the Yugangs, come and say hello. So this is a 50K flat-ish. There's some hills in there, um, but we'll call it, compared to the mountain ultras, a flat and fast ultra circuit with some laps around some pine or some eucalypt forest and a couple of trips up and down Pyramid Peak, which is a smallish mountain that's near Geelong. It's on the other side of the Mornington Peninsula, but I can actually see it from near our house there's a beach near our house just down the hill and you can look across and it's a bit of a reminder hang on i should go training because there's a 50k run and i've got to go up that peak twice in that run and i can see it from here from the other side of the bay what about you 
I had I had a couple of goals this year. One of them um, hilariously went wrong due to another due to a surprise race. So I was planning to do a fifty k in May at um, in Naramatu National Park up on the north coast of Tasmania. Great out and back course. Never done it before. Never done a fifty k running race before. Um, I've done other ultra stuff, but not on foot. So went in a bike race on a bike that uh, called the Lonnie Roubaix on a bike that you had to, had to cost less than $150. So my bike was branded the the Ford found on rubbish dump. Um, So you had, that was the rule was it? You have to spend less than 150 bucks on the bike. Yeah, and it and was uh, it was themed from sort of old older time tour rides, you know, from the from from Europe. So around we went in and had a very good time. It was a social event, but going up a hill, I um, changed gears with my knee and blew the pedal up into the back of my calf, and that was the end of my fifty k running racing dreams. So. <laughs> Um, that was going well. So now my next goal for the gear is the Fraser A Challenge. The Fraser A Challenge I've done solo three times before, and I love to tell the story about the Fraser A Challenge because um, it is a a trail run of about eighteen k's on the first day, then an ocean paddle and a kayak of about ten k's, which can be rough, it can be clear. Um, it's in Coles Bay in Tasmania. Then it's a time trial road bike, forty k's out and back. And then a mountain bike. And then people say, oh, so what do you do? It's a two-day event. They say, what do you do on the second day? And you say, you do the same thing. (laughs) So, I just find it um, perfectly maniacal and hilarious that they couldn't come up with anything really new for the next day. You just kind of do basically the same thing on the next day. The run's slightly different. but um, Endurance, people love doing the same thing all the time. That's my trail. That's why the loop. second day? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not something new the second day? All those questions are irrelevant, really. It's, a, it's a, because because it's a it's a very loved um, multi sport event um, in in southern Australia. It's the location is one of the most beautiful parts of Australia, Coles Bay, with Wineglass Bay um, taking in. It's a little bit warmer than where, where I live up in the north of Tasmania there normally with the East Australian current keeps the ocean temperatures, keeps the, keeps it a bit warmer. So we look forward to that a lot, but the theme of the theme of living in Tasmania being a bit further South in Australia at this time of year, I just checked on my weather app. The sun will set at 4:50 today and rose at about, um, seven, 750 something like that the sun rose so training if you're a working person at this time of year is typically in the dark and often at sort of sub-freezing temperatures and and all of that sort of stuff to deal with so very different to if you were training for a triathlon in a warmer part of the world Um, but not necessarily as restrictive as if you're in colorado or somewhere where you get snow on the ground for a good part of the year so um quite Still, quite has quite its challenges of ice. That's a similar latitude then in in the south to to England, really. You got those days finishing at four fifty, the sun setting, setting, and yeah, England, England being a little bit. It's a different climate, isn't it, to Tassie? Is it being an island? It sits into what they call the Roaring Forties, which is um, the winds that come right round the world in that huge open stretch of ocean. So the weather is. Um, 
the weather can be extreme here, um, but it is a beautiful part of the world. It can be, it can be cold and damp, but not necessarily. I mean, it's not Canada. It's not Alaska. We we're not covered in snow, so I shouldn't complain too much. That's what we're doing in the training. So, um, when we get there, that that race is, I suppose, characterised by also being a bit about logistics, like you've got to carry a road bike, you've got to carry a mountain bike, you've got to be able to run. So I like to say I'm- so um, you carry I, you carry a mountain well, bike. Sorry, you have to transport it to I have to bench. transport it. I was going to think yeah, the so transitions you, are rough. The transitions can. Well, there's a lot to go wrong in an event like that. So you want to be able to change a tyre pretty quickly. And being amateurs, of course, there's not exactly a big support crew there for you to change a tyre. More well, likely- Being amateurs, we're going to spend most of our time talking about all the things that went wrong and what we shouldn't do and hopefully yep. entertain ourselves here. Yeah. The last time I competed at the solo athletes leave off first to the line and I- um. Luckily, no one knows who I am, but I, I dropped all of my nutrition and drink bottle in front of the entire crowd at the start and down I went down the road and had to scramble around and pick it up and um, good for a laugh, I thought. A good way to start it, not take yourself too seriously, um, but it's a very, um, I look forward to that every year. So, some serious training over the next three months, which you and I will be talking about and trying to select appropriate training plans and nutrition so it's the end of June now. When's Freysenay? Uh, it's in October. Yeah, one of the first weekends in October. So it comes up quickly, doesn't it? You think, oh, I've got, got a few months here and that can disappear. And can you complete Freysenay with the some lackluster half, half done training or is it just one that you'd pull out of? I think it would be very, it. I mean, it's, it's, um, it would be quite painful because- <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, so, we know about that. Could and should, could and should, Luke. Right. Um, if, I don't know the answers to that. I haven't tried I because the pace, being a, a multi-sport event, a bit like triathlon, multi-sport endurance racing, you often, well, multi-sport endurance races at that kind of, at that, distance you'll often find that you'll be going as hard in the time trial for example as you would in a time trial just off the cuff maybe your performance won't be as high because you've just done a you know a, a long trail run and a um and a kayak but you'll be trying to go as fast as you can in those events and the sooner that you finish an endurance event of sometimes the less painful it is as we know so what's the I total time for a phrasing a about 10 hours, depending right. on who you are. Across somewhere the two days or? Some, somewhere between eight hours for uh, the elites and 12 hours, 14 hours or something for- Is that combined for, the, solo for the two days? Yeah. What's really interesting about that event too is there are the, the people who are really fast in the solo category, they will beat about half the teams in. So, I just, I just love that- one man or woman goes out there on their bike mm. and kayak and they beat a team of four to eight people. I, 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 um, I'm inspired by seeing them do that. Um, that's great. So yeah. you do a difference. You feel like the perception is that you go harder in the individual parts, maybe different modes of contraction of muscles, different impacts and running, you know, there's, there's loading and eccentric contractions and impact and then cycling. You don't have that, but you've got high heart rates and then paddling. So different energy systems, 
also different, different movement patterns and you, and you actually can go quite hard in each section and still go for 10 hours in total. Yeah, and I'm interested to explore with you at some stage transitions. So scientifically, why why do they hurt so much <laughs> when you get up here? When you get off a bike um, in one position, refueling in one manner and you step onto foot, I think every triathlete will tell you that that's something that you have to actually practice and you have to train for. And so mm. a, a very different way of training um, to, say, doing a ultra that takes you you know, a 50K over five hours or something. They're very diff different style of training and um, interested to explore that mm. from the practical and scientific perspective. How this is where we can bring on see. guests. We know lots of people now. In my role as an academic, I'm lucky I get to meet a lot of people and various expertise and bring someone on and ask them those questions. But and we were just talking about our own personal experiences. That feeling when you come off a, a hard ride and you start running and your quads are dead and, they feel like they're full of concrete. So we did a disaster stories. We did a, it wasn't a disaster, I finished, but it, parts of it weren't pretty. So we did a, an event in Lakes Entrance, which is three hours to the east of Melbourne. Beautiful place. Uh, what was it called? Was it a few years ago that now? The Gippsland Challenge. I flew over. Yep. We yeah, got ourselves it. to the line. Yep. So it was a kayak. There was, it started off with the mountain bike, then a run, then a kayak on the lake and I hadn't really kayaked before. It's good. So what did I have? A quick lesson? It's quite a long kayak, a 15K kayak, which is not, you know, not to be scoffed at for a, a first timer around with the wind and boats and things going past. And so I had a, a really busy year professionally and I still turned up and did it. How would you describe my training if you were my coach? You happy with it? Well, we had a, a chicken palmer the night before. I mean, <laughs> no, That's I right. would say- I thought it helped. I was um, I was at my peak fitness having come off uh, for, for my level of training, having come off uh, a good training block for six months and um, and you had had no time and had never kayaked. Um, so <laughs> it was a humbling experience for me, but I stuck to my guns and I went around with you and I didn't let my ego. So that's probably what I got out of that is, you know, I was at my peak fitness and maybe could have had a run for it. Maybe I was- Maybe I, maybe not, but I, you know, you could I have gone I'd much jump. faster, but we, we did it together. And we said we would and we did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. We and didn't, di we didn't ditch each other halfway through, even when you were lying on the top of your surf ski in agony, screaming because of the cramps going up and down your leg. And someone, um, my favorite part, obviously being brothers, someone, a lady paddled over to see if you needed medical assistance. And of course I said, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's, he'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's, who's gone long in any event and hasn't trained enough and has had cramping knows the feeling. It's different from an acute cramp. You might get the cramp if you're a bit dehydrated or you're in the wrong position. But these ones come in waves. They've got this almost this whole body systemic feel to them where they're, they're not necessarily just in the muscles you've been overusing. They can come through your neck and your shoulders and, and they come in waves. And the only rest, the only treatment for them is to slow down and nutrition. And they're really related primarily to training. People think, oh, well, there's all sorts of stories and beliefs about cramping, but it's, in my experience, it comes down to being underprepared. It's the day you're going to get it. But that was acutely uncomfortable. I remember started cramping as soon as I got in the boat because I've been in an extended hip extension position driving along doing the 20K trail run that we did and then got into the 
the kayak. So you flex up your hip and all your hip muscles are short and they just instantly started cramping and there's no way out of it because we're, we're going to paddle for 15 kilometers. So I stretched them as good as I could. But if you on those tippy surf skis, if you stretch your legs out, you fall in. I think I did Correct. jump in at one stage just to stretch out. Just to stretch it out. Um, that, so that's, a, that's something that you can train for. And mm. there's different methods of that, of which I don't know them all. I'd be interested to know more. But, for example, uh, a training session I did last weekend was about going and doing a 5K kayak and then as, as quick as possible getting out and getting the running shoes on and going up off for, you know, a similar distance, a 5K-ish run. Um, there's a bit of a hill at the start of that run from where our kayaks and surf skis and things are stored. So straight up into it, getting that muscle contraction and, um, you know, you notice the heart rate behaves abnormally, it goes up higher than it should for the effort you're doing because um, of that muscle contraction you're talking about. Um, something that probably caught you by surprise, although you had you have done Ironman triathlons, so you might have you might have been able to see that one coming. And being a physiotherapist, but perhaps um, did you know the pain was coming? Did you know? Did you know when you uh, when we got on the line with the tri suit on and were you thinking this is going to be an interesting day or you thought well we'll see how this goes bit of both you you know what you're doing you know you, what you're in for and it's it doesn't come from a place of stupidity or negligence it's just simply balancing working full time and family life and you can't go off and, and do 5 hour training runs during the day and you you've got a job and everything you're doing so i knew i had enough in there to finish i knew it would probably slow you down a bit uh, I've had cramps before, and they're a, they're something that self limiting. They're really uncomfortable, but we ended up finishing the paddle and then running through to the finish. I've had that before, actually, in the Gao, which is the Great Ocean Walk. So this is uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Victoria, a really nice part of coastline in Victoria, state of Australia, which is the called the Shipwreck Coast because of those Roaring Forty breezes. Simon was talking about that blow along through the ocean and have a habit of kicking up at the wrong time and blowing ships onto rocks. There's been record numbers of shipwrecks along the coast and it's a rough, wild, beautiful place. And the Gao is a 100-kilometre trail run that I love. I try to do every one of them for as long as I can, as long as the race runs, as long as um, I can do it, I'm going to try to do that race. Um, even if I don't get to do anything else, I want to do that one. And, you know, um, hello to Andy Hewitt and all the volunteers and all the people that put that together because that's just an amazing event. Anyway, I was, um, had, uh, I've had two or three really good days there where I've executed it as best I could. I'm, not, I'm talking about coming in the, probably in the top third or the, in the, maybe in the top half. I'm not talking about anything elite. Came in at around 14 hours and I was really happy with that. And this is more of a 15-hour day. How long is this, this one? So this, how long's how long's the gal? One hundred kilometers. Okay, and so sixty miles, and, it, and up and down in that coastal terrain there, or mm. how would you describe it? It's, it's, got, it's I, kind of a, a treadmill up and down along up the, the coast, the, the vertical for the gal, but it's not flat. Yep, I can't remember how many uh, meters of vert it's got, but it's just accumulative. You just go up and down headland, headlands and up little staircases along beaches, and it's all very pleasant. But across 100 kilometres, it does add up. The last section of it, well, the last hard section of it is from 55 kilometres to 80 kilometres. So from Johanna Beach up to the Gables car park. 
And that's often where the family will meet me there because they come down there for the day and support me, which I really appreciate. And it's just really hilly and it's just uh, just continuous little climbs up and down hills and it's really hard mentally and it's the hottest part of the day as well. Even when it's cool, that the temperature is called 16 degrees for that day. It's a, it's a warm um, spring day, but it's cool and there's a cool sea breeze. You still get really hot because you're going in those little headlands and the breeze can be absent you know you're sweating away and you've got to really manage your whenever i go past the creek i'll always put my hat in it and splash some water on myself even on a cool day and just keep your head cool being are there any are there any serious river river crossings sort of nothing nothing tasmanian nothing waist deep just ankle deep rivers and you end up just don't take your shoes off just charge through them and do that in training as well it's my recommendation get wet socks and and then you'll know if you're running in cotton socks and you run through some rivers you'll get a blister really quickly and then you know you've got to upgrade your socks find your favorite pairs and so you'd be dealing with sand lots of sand everywhere I, i played around with taping and then i find the tape comes off you can tape but I would just boiled it down to in the end. My favourite blister prevention was just lots of Vaseline on the foot, um, put the sock on, over the sock, and then in the inside of the shoe, in any spots where you rub. And you think, oh, I put stacks of Vaseline into the shoe as well. And you think this is too much. And it just soaks into the shoe. It's, it works really well. well what it's about for salt? Pairs of shoes. What about salt running so close to the coast for 100Ks? Is that... Does that become a factor on your clothing and shirts? You, you and- get much more from your sweat than you do from the, um, you know, from the sea breeze. I think, yep. but definitely. So around, you know, anyone who's done these long events will, will know the feeling of, you know, ch- sort of chafing around your neck. Of course, around the inner thigh, um, and the other spot can be on your lats. So in between your arm and your body, even if you don't have any lats, <laughs> and <laughs> just, it's still your I- arm just recurrent just sort of dragging of your arm against your body. So a bit of that knowledge beforehand and just once um, once you've done it, you'll never do it again and just vassing up, vaselining up those spots. I heard you're... there was I heard there was one year you decided that 100Ks on, on that day wasn't enough and you went for a bit of an extra. <laughs> Tell me about that. It, it, it was, this day was um, with Andrew Middleton, G'day Midzi, um, and and I, we were having a really good discussion. We we're having a good old chat. It was actually the shortened version of the Gao in 2019, 2018, one of those years. And so it was shortened due to bad weather down to 80 kilometers. And we had to do an out and back from Apollo Bay to Air River and back. And so we're coming back and everything's going well. And yeah, we turned 80 kilometers into 96 in the end. So we, you have to, mandatory gear, if you haven't done an ultra before, you might be quite surprised by the amount of stuff you have to carry and sometimes people complain about it and it's it's all there for a reason so the map and compass came out that we had to carry must admit i've only used it twice because that they put so much effort into marking the trail that if you're paying attention we would have it was our fault we were just talking and you know let that be a lesson what are you doing? Uh, a nice lesson. If you're in the wilderness and you and you behave like that, that's you're know, going to let down other people as well. People are going to be coming and rescuing you. But we, we weren't in the wilderness as such. We because there was a road in between the trail, so you really can't get lost. In fact, in the briefing, Andy every year says, "Well, you know, if you keep the Great Ocean Road on your, if you if you're going out." towards the 12 apostles on your right and you keep the ocean on your left, you can't get lost. It's true. We actually didn't ever expect it to come up to the Great Ocean Road. He says, if you ever see the Great Ocean Road, you've really done the wrong thing. And so we, we came up there to a gate and uh, there's the Great Ocean Road. We realized we'd 
we'd go on five or six kilometers in the wrong direction track now actually my phone you can't a phone is mandatory gear as well so my phone is this stage has gone flat (sighs) so put your phone on you know i just left it on um roaming so it flattened the battery so you should you really got to watch your battery if you are using your phone for an emergency if someone rolls their ankle or has a snake bite and that is your sat phone and you flatten it that's not smart so but we had other phones in the group i just couldn't let susanna and my dad know it was my dad only and thomas who were at the finish our dad <laughs> couldn't let dad know and so he's waiting around for hours there at the finish and got the wrong way so that wasn't yeah that was sort of added to it and then but, but because of that once i got back with the with midzi and the other guy who was with us and then we got back to the the sweeps because we were behind the sweeps and i really and i apologized to andy at the end of the race for that you shouldn't you know I, someone who's really experienced it was my seventh running of it i shouldn't be getting behind the sweeps who are the people who um, go behind everyone to make sure everyone's safe we caught up with them checked in so we're officially back in the race again and then and i just ran hard to the finish because I yeah. was sort of letting down the support crew by going missing and being out of phone contact range. But that was actually a good run. I felt good in that run, apart from getting lost. The worst one, that one I was t- telling you about on that hotter day, I just started getting these awful cramps. They started through the sort of abdomen. It's hard to sort of differentiate abdomen cramps in the muscle from generally feeling a bit sick, which you can feel when you when you have heat stress. And then I started getting them in the hip adductor muscles, or the groin muscles. They're awful. You've had them? No, when you're riding. Well, yeah, good. Avoid yeah. getting him in the in just getting him in the gastroc, so in the calf muscles, high up in the calf, in quads. And I thought, hang on, I'm in a bad way here. So I, I didn't bring poles. The next year, I bought poles for this reason. I actually, ran the whole hundred k's with poles out of fear of these cramps because it was so bad. So I ended up just fashioning some bush sticks, um, bush poles, just grabbing some sticks from the edge of the, the track and running along with those and using upper limb. And you can take so much force out of your legs by using poles. It's such a good idea. Yeah, and right. It was miserable for a while, but then the last five Ks of the race, they're all gone. I ran hard, which is weird, isn't it? You'd think that cramps would just gradually get worse until you rest and have two days off or something. But they were just- It's one of the bizarre things about endurance events is how you go through phases within it and- mm. um, you know, knowing that you've, how much you know you've got left, you know, one uh, one thing I like to do while I'm doing it is kind of along the lines of, um, I like to try and do mental games and counting and, and get my, get my, by that I mean, you know, looking at pace and how far I've got to go and setting little rewards as I go along. Um, we, it, this, your story raises an interesting kind of point about balancing parenting endurance events, which is the fact that, you know, you're out there. We think that we're, you know, we open up our conversation with talking about it's cold or it's winter, or it's dark and things like that. But, you know, over time you realise that when you're the athlete, the amateur athlete out there running, you know, you've got you've got the easy part. You get to go out and do what you like on your training day. You get mm. to go out for five hours and ride a bicycle or run in a beautiful spot often. Yes, it might be raining, it might be uncomfortable, but you like that um, often. And you know, whilst you're doing that, there's a parent, another parent, you know, a partner, a grandparent somewhere, and you know, they're but the kids or they're working to make the money while you're doing that part. And, and um, until people realize that 
this stuff can put great pressure on people's marriages and and relationships you know getting out there that one person's getting that time that's the type a endurance that's the danger of the type a uh, endurance athlete mindset isn't it where you've they can't be flexible from some schedule i'll i'll happily commit to some training but if the family will come first so what are some tips what are some things you've noticed like just one or two two or three that you've noticed because you've done you know uh significant i would call it a, a fair number of ultra marathons and other endurance events ironman and things in terms of balancing families not ending up divorced you know having your kids know yeah. who you are but also being fit enough to be happy with your performance and not write yourself off at these things you know have you do you structure your training across a year informally or how do you balance that sort of stuff i know how to do that i'm notoriously bad at having a training program that I stick to because a big part of the attraction of it is the spontaneity of going out and training and then what i've actually found is having uh, more flexibility in a training schedule and and having more variability in it as well is is really helpful for me for longevity because you've it's it sort of adds to the adventure of it yes i could i'm sure i could structure a periodized program i tend to um do the base well and then have a couple um, i do plan my peaks before say something like the gal so five to six weeks out something that's a significant big load of 15 uh, a 50 kilometer um, training run in the dandenongs which are the mountains near melbourne which are beautiful and really accessible and you can just get onto tracks and loop around in there all day and make sure that's in there but i'm not the one that i'm not the, not a running coach just a participant certainly um no expert in it but i'm sure that having um having flexibility in your schedule and being just as happy to say no i'm not doing this today and not being that type a endurance athlete and you got to read the room with your family and friends this it, uh, one of your kids birthdays is on or there's or um you know your partner has or wife or husband has work well can we just is it's not it's never as important as you think but you can get really focused when you're training for these things you have to be focused but you have to have a bit of a yeah it's always going to be a challenge for people because if you you, you do have to discipline yourself to turn up to training sessions mm. in order to get fitter you have to have some discipline and you have to have some commitment to a goal that i'm going to turn up but then again there will be there will come times for example last week um at my house all of our sewer pipes um in and which means in where i as live as soon as you said sewer pipes i started laughing because it's my yes. brother so you know when he <laughs> when he goes through some terrible problem i'm gonna laugh of course so. of course I expect nothing left yes so they were all blocked the kids all had a the kids got a cold which wasn't COVID believe it or not something else happened we in the, the world same. that didn't yep. didn't revolve around COVID mm. so I had to say I've got responsibilities here and you know and interestingly though and I had to say it's not appropriate for me to leave my family with no flushing toilets when they're sick <laughs> it's not a that's probably a spectacular example so not not a hard one really to to make that call but what is interest what is interesting so not exactly a great hero for making that call quite <laughs> obvious that it's not appropriate but the point that i wanted to make was i then went out the next weekend having been on a, a bit of a climb with the training mm. and i went and did 
sort of a normal volume training weekend. And I had actually been forced to take some time back. So I built and built, built, taken some time back. I'm, I'm probably intuitive and flexible with when I train like yourself. And as a result, I found my average heart rate was, you know, behaving itself, staying quite Mm. low for the effort. The, you know, the stats and things that record your relative effort on, um, on your Stravas and those fun ones, that was quite low for what I was doing. So for the same amount of exercise two weekends before when I'd been building and building, I was significantly lower in terms of how hard it this my heart rate was saying that it was and how fast I was going. So quite an interesting one and a lesson that, you know, in in terms of missing that session when you're sick or whatever and training through. Had I trained through with a cold, possibly got that secondary lung infection, you don't know is the, the point as well. You don't, you just have to get what you can in as a working parent with responsibilities. And, you know, there's priorities bigger than, sort of a you know some amateur athletes next training session sometimes sometimes so the other side of that though luke i would say is that i have found myself i've had to correct myself not so much this year but in other years when we had very little kids of saying not using your children as an excuse um, because there's always an excuse there's always you've always got a lot of on at work you've always got um, kids things to do so um you don't want to find yourself using your kids as an excuse and kind of blaming the family thing for the fact that you're being lazy. Yeah, um, That's the flip side of that. And I guess it's a bit of a pendulum that never sort of, it'll never sit in the middle. It's mm. what I've found after doing it for a, a few years now. Um, I, I don't think that balance will ever come. It's, it's just a matter of, um, yeah, flexibility perhaps as a goal. Well, look, so, this yeah. is what we wanted to talk about here. We wanted to, this is, if anything else, it's an excellent excuse to just put the tools down and and book out half an hour every couple of weeks and catch up. Talk and about talk, running and just talk, yeah. and riding and kayaking yeah, and exactly. skiing and, if, and look, everything it, else. We'll publish these podcasts if if we connect with someone. If you and then if they want to come in and have a chat as well, if it helps build community and in this connected world, then that's great. You, can, you know you can't force someone to listen to your stuff, and if you if you've made it this far, you must be interested. So. Well done to you. <laughs> but look, we're going to be talking, what are we talking about in the next episode? So I've got, as I mentioned, I've got the Yu Yangs um, coming up. I'm going to talk about a pre-race workup and preparation for that in very real terms. We're not talking, there's not going to be pictures of us with our shirts off talking about how it's easy for us and uh, why don't you do it too? And um, yeah, we're and going to have a bit of my a- race results and if it, it's not a, it, this is very much everyday endurance, everyday couple of middle-aged guys talking about the realities of balancing life and training and loving it as well but- yes yeah, so next next week you've got uh, our next event coming up is your Yu yang's run we're going to have a bit of a chat about that and um we'll call it a pre-race briefing um how you see that race going based on where you see your current fitness as at right now preparation and race plans and we're also you know have a bit of a it's a bit of a chat about what you can possibly do wrong, which is a lot of things three weeks before an, an ultra marathon, let's be honest. So a bit of a funny talk about how, um, how about all the stupid things you've done in the lead up to previous races, which I can name. I've, I've done all the dumb things as the Paul Kelly song says. So I had a good, few good preparations executed well, but yeah, but it's, it's more fun talking about, yeah, disasters. 
on my my first time trial road ride in a race, the um the bars that you lean on the aero bars fell off the bike halfway through the time trial race <laughs> so definitely wow. definitely made some mistakes yeah that was a great time did you trial. come off no but um it's wow time, time trial the the, the a bit harder to do a time trial without handlebars so. what about that 150 dollar bike race where you turned the two heads of gastrocnemius in your calf into three heads by putting the pedal into it did you stay yeah. on? Yeah. So yeah, that one I mentioned earlier. Um, I stayed on the bike and finished the race. Um, went around for a barbecue afterwards. Still, probably wouldn't do anything different apart from trying not to injure myself. Probably, probably. Um, the thing that got me with that injury wasn't so much the injury on the day. I knew there was some sort of hematoma or something going in the calf, but because I had a running plan going and I was planning, it was the um, it was the half marathon that I ran that afternoon that I think really drilled home the injury. So definitely in terms of to stick to my training plan. So definitely, definitely another, the icing of the cake of doing something dumb in the lead up to one of your goals was the sticking to the training plan after doing the injury. Yeah, I need a health science or medical degree to know that that's going to flare up the, the car. Yes. Let's go through Rest, ice, compression, elevation and might have been a better idea. Does that fit in the, in the acronym? I don't know where the acronym, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Rest, ice, compression, half marathon. Yeah. You know? that's so, the, but that's what endurance people do. People who are attracted to this stuff have a, tend to have a sort of type A driven personality, masochistic property. And part of it's sort of a part of the sport, sort of fun, you know, just give up every time something hurts. But then there's, there's, there's mistakes that you make when you fail to see the line there between you know, uh, overreaching and pushing yourself and, and training on a day where there's a bit of rain around and hail and you have a bit of an adventure and get wet feet and all of that versus the times when we've you – know, tra training when you're sick is a really documented bad idea medically because you can cause all sorts – you can obviously stay sicker for longer, but, you know, training with viruses is a terrible idea. But we've all sort of tried our luck. I, I started an ultra race with what was a, a calf strain it was a mild one and they ended up getting better during the race so go figure I've got so this training is, as a physiotherapist and, and you and now I, use that as advice to your patients well that's the thing i, I mean, recommend go and run 50ks it's easy so. to say rest and say stop and so you have to evaluate the person's goals and the you know the way the importance of the event if it's their grand final and they've got a mild soft tissue injury and they're probably going to play anyway and there's things at stake and then weigh that up against the cost of injuring yourself or making it worse and then let the person weigh it up. And I knew that I could, because with that track, I can easily just come out and stop anywhere and didn't feel that bad. Used a bunch of compression. It's, it's, it's really interesting though, that it was something that you, I felt was a strain um, actually would improve and completely went away during the course of the race. I finished quite hard. I went out slowly and finished hard. That was the two bays, 56K run down in the Mornington Peninsula. It'll be 10 years ago now. It's just interesting. It was, probably wasn't, if you did an ultrasound of that area, maybe it wasn't actually strained. In, anyway, it wasn't a mild, it was a mild injury, but you know, that's the sort of stuff that, that's sort of coming to the edge of being sensible. What would be best? Probably not to start the race, but what actually happened was on that occasion, it went well, but then yeah, training when you've got a respiratory illness, it's a really bad idea. And 
there's so many bad ideas we can talk about. You know, one thing we'll talk about on this on these chats is the Australian Alps walking track. Because I was telling Thomas and Henry, that's my sons for the listeners, um, about you and I did the Australian Alps walking track in winter, 2009. And they said something that a lot of people have said to me, which is, why didn't you write a book about it? And the main reason was because it sort of didn't do it for that reason. I don't know about you. You kept a good diary. But what, you know, this is, this can be the book about it. We can finally talk about that, what we did there and what we went through, because that was wild. That, that was a wild adventure, different to an endurance event, which is, you know, some of our endurance events are really the roller coaster of the adventure world, aren't they? Mm. You are strapped in and you've got, got quite a bit of safety around you in relative safety for some of them, whereas a, you know, your bushwalking and skiing and some of those are often a bit, you know, less of the roller coaster, less virtual reality and more um, real world tragedy. Although an, any ultra event is not to be scoffed at. Mm. So that was that was great. Thanks very much for listening. That's it. We've got, you know what we need to do now is come up with a catchy tagline for the end of this podcast. <laughs> so it'll be something like, until next time, this is Simon and Luke. Can we make one up on the spot? We don't have one. We can say, until next week, this is Luke and Simon Perrodin, enjoying everyday endurance. Thanks That's for listening. It. That's it. I'm going to write it down. Good luck training, Luke. Best of luck, everyone, with your training and your racing. See you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>